This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning, Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles, most hated in the group, Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Mm -hmm. You feeling pretty hated today? Is the hatred level pretty high? It's at all-time highs. All-time highs? Yeah. Are you buying in or are you going to sell at all time? I highs? think you should. This is one that's going to keep going. This is a sustained uptrend right mm -hmm. now. So. It's not even being inflated. This is the actual real value of hatred right now. Okay. Yep. I'm neglecting new members apparently and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so join the live group and be neglected by me. So then you can turn your hatred. If you've got hate in your heart, let it out. What's funny is. I don't want people to harbor hatred. And also if you've got Nate in your heart, let it out, which is what people do every single day. Exactly. In the group. And See, you know, some people are indifferent about me. They just love you more. And that, yep. I, you know, I'm fine with that. I was just reading through some of the comments. Sorry, I wasn't really, wasn't really paying attention there. Okay, so this is Good Morning Liberty. We got late breaking news brought to us by one of our live Discord members. Who was it that posted about that? Jeff. Jeff? I thought yeah. you said it was Kayla. I don't know. I don't remember who it was. Oh, anyway. Jeff, not Maurice. The Supreme Court blocks Biden's vaccine or test rule for large employers. From the Huffington Post, the Supreme Court blocked the Biden administration from enforcing its emergency rule mandating that workers get vaccinated or undergo regular testing for COVID-19. A major setback for the president's national vaccination effort. However, the court decided to allow the administration to proceed with a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers at federally funded facilities. That's how they get you. Now, does that mean that they are not going to consider it anymore if they just didn't block this one like they did the other one? You know, that's not an official ruling, is it? It's just that they're not going to block I it. I think it said right a separate now. ruling. Okay. I think it was, yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked at, at that specific one. The justice's decision to intervene and halt one of the vaccine regulations has major public health implications amid a surge in coronavirus cases due to the Omicron variant. The White the House vaccine does nothing for <laughs> the White House. Hope the rule issued through the issued through OSHA would protect workers. They also hope the vaccine would protect workers. But, you know, you can't have everything. That's just uh, what it is. Justice Samuel Alito wondered whether OSHA was trying to legally squeeze an elephant through a mouse hole. Squeeze <laughs> an elephant through a mouse hole. That's a legal term. By dating, issuing dating back to the oh, one of your classic elephant squeezing through a mouse yeah. hole mm -hmm. situations that we have right here. Yep. Chief Justice John Roberts well, picked that up at Harvard Law. Yeah, it is. It's taught at many of the finer institutions mm -hmm. that are out there. Chief Justice John Roberts asked why Congress doesn't have a say in this. Does seem like maybe Congress should do that. Unlike her conservative colleagues, Justice Elena Kagan was reluctant to substitute the court's judgment for that of OSHA. She said, why in the world would courts decide this question? <laughs> why in the world would OSHA decide this question? Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. Well, in the their name, Nate, they're occupational health experts. Okay, that's right. So... In a separate ruling, the justices allowed a different vaccine rule issued by the administration to go into effect. That regulation issued through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services would require that healthcare facilities that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding make sure all their employees are vaccinated against COVID. Which is all of them, by the way, pretty much. Yeah, you um, unless you're <sighs> operating some type of a, an eye clinic or you're doing tummy tucks, stuff like that, you're pretty much receiving Medicare and Medicaid mm -hmm. 
the court there is a place down in franklin by the way that just has cash only you pay a subscription i think it's 80 or 90 bucks a month something like that and you can go there as much as you want and uh they'll fill some prescriptions stuff like that and uh, you get blood tests included with your 90 bucks a month and all that stuff anyway the court heard oral arguments for the health care rule on the same day as the OSHA rule. The health care rule would cover an estimated 17 million workers at hospitals, soon to, soon to be less long-term care facilities and dialysis centers. Unlike the OSHA rule, it does not provide an option to test regularly in lieu of vaccination. All right. It's, well, it's so crazy how the court can have two different rulings Yeah, on the same thing. It, it makes no sense whatsoever, and they're... Uh, you know, we have a what nine lawyers deciding what health is. Yeah, like, it's just unbelievable to me. Where they where they get you here is once you're paying for some, once you're accepting money from someone, they're they're controlling you basically. And uh, for all the places that are accepting Medicare and Medicaid, uh, the government can essentially make these decisions. They could put a a contingency on there. Well, if you're not going to do this, then we're not going to give you any Medicare or Medicaid anymore, which means you're going to go out of business probably uh, because there's a lot of money coming in from some of those patients. So anyway, I'm um, I am going to try to be positive about the first one, about the workers, uh, about the businesses not having to do that. That's a good thing. The healthcare thing will still have some uh, work to do on that, I guess. So does this mean your your wife's going to have to get the jab? No, she she doesn't have to. She's not covered under the CMS thing. She works for a business that accepts Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah, but they're not part of the CMS rule because she doesn't work in a healthcare setting. So it's um Oh, they separated them out. Yeah. That's pretty smart. According to her bosses, they're not she's not a uh, part of the CMS rule. So mm. Yeah, she's uh, she's good on that, and I think they're I think HCA knew that they that this was going to happen because they told everyone that they weren't going to enforce it a few weeks ago, and they haven't said anything else since then, even though it technically went into effect. So I think they were pretty sure that this was going to happen. Somebody's got the inside ice cream. Yeah, they got they got they're texting some of the justices up there and figuring out what's going to go on. So anyway, that was some. Just now, breaking news that just occurred, brought to you by GML. On to the next thing, because Charlie's got to go in 30, in 43 minutes. We've got plenty so, of time. You, plenty of time to That's discuss. what you think until you see what we have in today's episode. we got to take a break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness, something preventing you from achieving your goals? I've gone through this before. Charlie's gone through this before. He uses BetterHelp himself. I've gone and talked to counselors before. Sometimes maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Maybe there's a different perspective that you need to look out for. Taking care of your mental health is something that is very important and it's also very possible. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You're going to connect in a safe and private online environment. So much more convenient than fighting traffic, going into the office somewhere. You just get on the app and talk to someone. You can start talking to them in under 24 hours. This is not some self-help app. This is actual professional counseling. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to go to that freaking waiting room. Better help is committed to giving you great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. If they match you up with someone and you don't like them, you can switch over to someone else. It's more affordable than actually going into the office because you're just doing it over an app. And this is available worldwide. You got expertise in so many different areas. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family, grief, self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. This is very convenient, it's professional, it's affordable because you're doing it through an app instead of going into the office. You can go to the website and check out the testimonials. And by the way, this is not a crisis line. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. There's a reason for that because a lot of people are using this app to get help. If you wanna start living a happier life today as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash GML. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. 
Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's BetterHelp.com slash GML. Well, uh, in case you guys were worried about the government creating new hand-washing stations for themselves, don't worry. From Reuters here, the U.S. Justice Department is forming a unit to counter domestic terrorism. Finally. Mm, finally. You know, that's what we're suffering for, from, a bad case of domestic terrorism. That's, a, that's the leading threat, actually, yeah. to most people in the U.S. is domestic terrorism. Not coronavirus. Terrorism. Mm-mm, no. It ain't worrying about the Al-Qaeda's or anything like that, which real, realistically, it really, really isn't. But yeah, we need a whole department for this, actually, because domestic terrorism is such a big yeah. thing right now. And we yeah. don't have the FBI or, you know, CIA or anything no, like they're that. No, they don't deal with crimes going on inside the country, you know. The U.S. Justice Department is creating a new unit to counter domestic terrorism following the 2021 U.S. Capitol attack, Jan 6. Everything that happens from now on, by the way, is following the 2021 Jan 6. As it faces a growing threat from white supremacists and anti-government activists. Anti-government activists? Jeez. Boy. The move reflects a growing realization by U.S. national security officials that domestic extremists represent a threat on par with that posed by foreign militant groups such as the as the Islamic State. Just right there on par with it. You listen, since 2002, you look at the data. This has been the number one threat that we've had to deal with. Jan 6 was the most egregious attack, yeah. attack on the United States government. Uh, pretty awful. In it, the last 20 years. It caused a lot of dollars and property damage. Mm. Yeah. Quote, we face an elevated threat from domestic violent extremists. That is, individuals in the United States who seek to commit violent criminal acts in furtherance of domestic, social, or political goals, said Matthew Olson, the Assistant Attorney General of the Department's National Security Division. We have seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extremist anti-government and anti-authority ideologies, Olson said. Anti-authority ideologies. Oh. How disgusting is this, this? The government literally coming out and going, I mean. This was all predictable, by the way. We've talked about this for a long time. I just didn't see it happening so quickly. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a little shocked at how quickly this is happening. We, we've said that this all was going to be used against you. Mm-hmm. I said this on the Big Freedom Show. The Big Freedom Show. I did. I talked and about we this. We only had 32 episodes for you to mm-hmm. say that on. Talked about this on the Big Freedom Show before I came on over to the, before Good Morning Liberty. I transferred my talents <laughs> to uh, Good Morning Liberty from the Big Freedom Show. And, uh, you know, they, that's what they're, they're, they're going to use this on you. Well, and the, go- the government has to do that. Of course, the government would call people who are against the government and against authority those uh, by nature are domestic terrorists you have to be afraid of the those are the scariest people inside your country are people who think that you have too much power and think that you are tyrannical so this is a i don't you know what what, the king would have been proud of this i'll just tell you that he he couldn't be mad at it no well no you one upped me uh (laughs) The other thing you have to remember, folks, is when you're labeled a terrorist, you lose all rights mm. to everything. Just look at Guantanamo Bay. Okay? So when you're a terrorist... I'm sure there's nothing going on down there anymore, though. In, in, that. in the law, in the... What is it? The NIAA or the NDAA that was passed? That Obama, NDAA, I think. That Obama signed? Uh, they can hold you indefinitely. Indefinitely. When you have terrorism charges, by the way. So, hmm, this is, uh, I'm ready for the boog, I think. Um, there's a complete, the boogs are coming. There's a completely unrelated story directly beneath this that you can go ahead and attach on. Let me finish this one and I'll, I'll keep going. So, Jill Sanborn, the executive assistant director to the FBI's National Security Branch, said the Bureau is particularly particularly concerned about violent extremists motivated by racial hatred and those who are anti-government. Now, they didn't call out SUVs in this, but I would have expected that they would talk about 
a lot of the well there are fine people on both sides racial hatred SUV suvs thing. that are out there racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists advocating for the superiority of of the white race and anti-government or anti-authority violent extremists present the most lethal threat those are the same thing by the way <laughs> those are all the same mm-hmm. white people sup- who are violent extremists advocating for the superiority of white th- of the white race and anti-government or anti-authority, violent extreme, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all in the same category. You just group, you you herd those people together, get them through the cattle pen. Okay? Now, what's uh, what's really weird, just a completely unrelated story, the last uh, Capitol police officer that was killed uh, by someone ramming a barricade in the area with the car there was actually uh, killed by someone who believed in the superiority of the black race. Mm. And uh, not, not that that matters really whatsoever i'm just you know just throwing that out there that there are actually other people besides white supremacists that are out there but in the country as well that's not racist though mm, yeah if yeah. you're a black supremacist right. that's fine well, because racism has to be from someone who has dominance and i got you yeah it has to be okay. from somebody who's white yeah yeah i got you i'm glad i could educate you yeah thank today. you for letting me know this podcast yep. all right so keeping uh on with the unrelation uh, to these stories here Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes charged with seditious conspiracy. Seditious. Sorry, seditious conspiracy in Jan 6 Capitol riot. So the founder and leader of the extremist group Oath Keepers, whose numbers are accused, whose members are accused of being key players in the Jan 6 attack on Congress, has been indicted and arrested. The 56-year-old uh, who was at the Capitol that day, but has said he did not enter the building as the most high-profile person charged in the investigation so far. He is charged with seditious conspiracy, along with 10 other Oath, Keeper, Oath Keepers members. Rhodes, a former Army paratrooper and Yale Law graduate, who has become one of the most visible figures of the far-right anti-government movement, has repeatedly denied wrongdoing. What's wrong with being anti-government, by the way, in America? Since when is this a thing? I could form a group and be anti-government if I want to be. There are, I have no words right now, honestly, Charlie, I don't have anything. Let's see. He said he was communicating with members of his group in an effort to keep them out of trouble and emphasized that Oath Keepers associates who did go in went totally off mission. Prosecutors allege that before and during the riot, Rhodes exchanged dozens of, of encrypted messages. Guilty. Encrypted. Encrypted. Encryption. <laughs> Phone calls and other communications with members of the Oath Keepers group that breached the Capitol. Rhodes has accused prosecutors of trying to manufacture a non-existent conspiracy. Focus on Rhodes. Don't worry about Epps. What about the Rhodes? Yeah. That's what they're saying. They're focused on the roads. Um, Don't nothing to see here with Epps. You know, look at the my roads. Not that this is. You mentioned Ray Epps, so you might as well go there. Epps wasn't charged because he didn't go into the building. That's why he wasn't charged with anything. This guy also did not go into the building, but they've charged him with seditious conspiracy. Just saying. Do your own math. That's all I'm gonna say. You do the out math out loud. That's all I got. Okay. Now we're actually completely shifting topics to something that I've seen trending on Twitter all day. Student loans. Everybody's got them, except for Charlie and maybe a bunch of other people. I've still got them. I've been paying them for quite a long time, and I think I owe the same amount as when I got out of college. Nice. Possibly a little bit more. Hmm. All right. How about that? Whose fault? Well, actually, you haven't been paying them because there's been a... Well, I'm still paying one of them because it's an interest-free period right now. So okay. I'm still paying towards it so I can pay without interest. They issued a, what they issued the, a sabbatical. Uh, under the advisement of my wife. So uh, <laughs> not through your own will. No, no, I didn't want to because I, I don't think you'll really ever have to pay them back. And so I feel like all I'm doing is just giving the government some money right now. And eventually they're just going to forgive all of them. And everyone who paid for them is just a sucker, basically. Yeah. So whatever. You know what? I took out the loans and I took out way more than what I actually needed. I did not complete college. Your car looked nice. I had a nice car and I had a guitar (laughs) and an amp 
and we had some other tour gear and some sound system stuff and recorded stuff like some that. records recorded some music and that is what my college loans went towards <laughs> that's, that's right. right so anyway whose fault is that by the way obviously the band i think it's the i think it's the lender that lent me the money yeah of course that's who i feel well, it's predatory. Whose fault it is it was predatory yeah it was predatory for them to allow me to take out that much money exactly Pred- predatory student loans that's what it was from the wall street journal student loan processor navient to cancel 1.7 billion dollars worth of debts all right. One of the nation's largest student loan processors will cancel the debt of 66,000 borrowers, totaling $1.7 billion, and an agreement with 40 state attorneys general. The loans in question are private loans, meaning they are not guaranteed by the federal government. As part of the settlement, the company will make a one-time payment of approximately $145 million to the states. Navient has faced in numerous lawsuits in recent years alleged the company engaged in unfair and deceptive conduct against borrowers. Navient repeatedly and deliberately put profits ahead of its borrowers. <laughs> it engaged in deceptive and abusive practices, targeted students who it knew would struggle to pay the loans back, and placed an unfair burden on people trying to improve their lives through education, the Pennsylvania Attorney General said. In addition to loan cancellation, some restitution for borrowers with private loans, Navy will also pay $95 million to 350,000 federal loan borrowers, or about $260 each, who were placed in the certain types of forbearance programs that caused them to accumulate more debt rather than entering income-based repayment plans. Maybe I'm going to get some money out of this. I don't even know who my loans are through. Probably, I got no clue. Probably Navy, it sounds like. A couple things here, though. I've got two stories here attached to this. One... Loans for people who wouldn't have otherwise qualified. That's a bad thing, right? So when you got people who wouldn't have qualified for any kind of loan and you decide that you're going to give them a loan, albeit at a higher interest rate, that's a, that's a bad thing, apparently, according to the people that are happy about this, because that's actually predatory. And what they're now arguing is that those people should have never been given a loan in the first place. Mm-hmm. They should have never gave you students money. <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 what it is. They're actually arguing the same people, by the way, who uh, who bash banks mm-hmm. and other people for not loaning. They're arguing. They're arguing for gerrymandering of student loans. Well, they, they want to gerrymander the student they loans. They want you to look at people who now. Okay, so part of this other, they want you to look at people who are pursuing degrees that really offer no money in return. And then you, as the company that's making the loan, say that you're not going to give that loan to the person. Magically, although they wouldn't apply that same standard to federal loans. They're only applying this to the, yeah. the private loans, which, by the way, they're canceling. And the people probably could have uh, taken out a bankruptcy on or something like that since they were private loans. I don't know if that's uh, something they could have done. Anyway, they, they want you to do that. can't on federal loans, though, no, by the way. No, can't on the federal loans. Uh, Are those predatory, too, you think? No, no, those aren't predatory. Because it's by the benevolent government. Because it comes from the government. And those are government, they are, those are backed and guaranteed by the government. By the full faith and credit yeah. of these United States of a beautiful America. So when you're paying it back, you're like, well, at least this loan was guaranteed by the government. So anyway. Just giving money to the, the bars and stars. So here's a little story here. Loans designed to fail. States say Navient preyed on students from New York Times. Everyone get your empathy hats on. Ashley Harden. Oh, Ashley dreamed of being a professional photographer. Since she was a baby. I remember this she story. Always <laughs> So in 2006, she enrolled in the Brooks Institute of Photography and borrowed more than $150,000 to pay for what the school described as a pathway into an industry clamoring for its graduates. She could have got on YouTube for free. Brooks was advertised as the most prestigious photography school on the West Coast. And she said, I wanted to learn from the best of the best. Now, unfortunately, Miss Harden did not realize that she had taken out a high-risk private loan in the pursuit of a low-paying career. All right. But her lender, SLM Corporation, better known as Sally May, which, by the way, spun off into Navient. So Mm. Sally May... They knew that she was doing that. 
the government lawyers say, and they made the loans anyway. <laughs> That's right. They knew that she was going towards a career that wasn't going to have good money. And so they're saying that the private lender should make that decision and not lend out the money to the person who's trying to get it, as opposed to charging a high interest rate on it when they know that this is probably what's going to happen. Mm. What I'm upset about here is they don't apply this to all the federal loans at all. Everyone should just get a loan for everything. That's totally fine. When it comes to private loans, they're, they are saying that it's predatory for the company to give a loan to someone when they're going to a super expensive photography school uh, also, because there they are, know they're not going to be able to pay it back. There are some photographers who make a lot of money. Yeah. So the low-paying career is because of you, Ashley. But the uh, photographer that you guys were getting for your wedding, now you did that based on the school she went to, right? I'm sure you looked to make sure she had the proper accreditation oh, and all that. Well, actually, I had several photographers send me their resume. Yeah. Yeah. And I did an interview process and it took me four years mm -hmm. to figure out, yeah. you know, who our wedding photographer was going to be. You actually took out private loans actually to study all of the resumes and to go over yeah. their accreditation. Predatory. No, you know what he did? Private loans. He, he looked at their keen pictures. That's, that's what he did. On Insta. Okay. Did, do you have any idea what school she went to? I, I don't even know if she went to school. I'll tell you that much. Because who gives a shit? That's why. And actually, I didn't even pick her. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was like, hey, this is my, she said, I don't know, it was like two years ago. She's like, oh, this is my favorite photographer. She's like, I don't think we'll ever be able to book her for our wedding. And so I just put that in the back of my mind. I was like, okay, this is going to be like a gift at the wedding time. See, for me, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I just go back <laughs> on to looking at charts. I put it in the back of my mind and I was like, oh, this will be, you know, like a surprise gift. And so I booked her for um, the proposal and our wedding as a gift. Yeah. As one of my gifts. These, okay, Illinois and Washington say that Sally May, which is now Navient. Hang on, sorry. The group says, Jeff says Chuck's only criteria was that they were vaxxed. So they could travel. <laughs> <laughs> and boosted? Uh, yeah. At that time, maybe not. I don't know. Oh. Um, they, that Navient engaged in predatory lending, extending billions of dollars in private loans to students like Miss Harden, who never should have been made in the first place. These loans were designed to fail, said Shannon Smith, chief of the Consumer Protection Division at the Washington State Attorney General's office. Navient used private subprime loans, some of which it expected to default at rates as high as 92% as a tool to build its business relationships with colleges and universities across the country. From the outset, the lender knew that many borrowers would be able, unable to repay, government lawyers say, but it still made the loans, ensnaring students in debt traps that have dogged them for more than a decade. The private loans were a baited hook that the lender used to reel in more federally guaranteed loans. According to an internal strategy memo cited, in the Illinois lawsuit. So yes, by the way, they were doing this to curry favor with the people that were giving out the federally guaranteed loans. So they engaged in this lending practice where they knew they were going to lose the money on some of these people, but they knew that if they established that relationship, they could get all that federal guaranteed money coming in. So they knew they wouldn't lose. Yes. So they were totally fine with giving this loan to Miss Harden or whatever her name was because they knew that would curry favor with the people giving out the guaranteed money that they couldn't lose anything on at all. So they were more than willing to do this. I'm not saying those things are connected, but those things are connected. The, these cases have parallels to the mortgage crisis that helped drive it. Yeah, you're right. They kind of do, don't they? Which part is it? <laughs> that helped drive the American economy in the recession, both in scope borrowers in the United States owe 1.4 trillion on student loans and in the details of the misdeeds. Working together, the lenders and colleges were preying on a vital part of the American dream. The government lawyers say the belief that higher education can help lift people towards a prosperous future. <laughs> I can't. I, I know. I know. I think I can't even say anything. It's just I'm laughing at this point. And I don't know if I'm laughing because it's actually comedic or it's like a scared laughter. To me, it's like, a, I don't actually know what my emotion is. So I'm just laughing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a, it's not like a Kamala Harris laugh. Like when someone's <laughs> no, asking just, you a tough, you're like, <laughs> 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 <That's ridiculous. laughs> 
Private loans came with higher interest rates and fewer protections for borrowers than the federal loans. And if the borrowers stopped paying, Sally Mae was stuck with the loss. Mm. The company made subprime loans to students who would not otherwise qualify, including borrowers with poor credit who took out loans to attend schools with high dropout rates. So they should have. What the, what the government lawyers are arguing is that people who are going for degrees that aren't going to pay you very good money or who would not otherwise qualify for a loan or any of these things, that those people shouldn't be able to go to college for the thing that they want to go to college for, at least to that school. Does this sound like what the government's normally arguing? They shouldn't be able to get loans. Um, now they still talk more. Okay, under education department rules, no more than 90% of a school's tuition payments can come from federal funding. That means at least 10% must come from private sources. I'm and, glad they have that rule in place. It keeps everything in check. Yeah, that way we make sure that our institutions <laughs> remain privately funded. For sure. 90%. Yeah, ninety percent of a school's tuition. I guarantee you, almost all of them have it right at ninety percent. Yeah, and there's they go on to tell a bunch more stories in here about students who took out loans, and then and then they talked about the college shutting down, and and then they're they're suing Navians for making them pay it back. And one of my general points here is that this is really not Navians' fault that the college shut down. They still paid the college, and you still owe the money to the Navy. Your problems with the school. And that just like the story from earlier with the photography thing, if Brooks advertised themselves as being able to get you a super cush photography job, and then you weren't able to do it, your problem's not with Navient, your problem's with the school. That's who it's actually with. Exactly. And actually your problem's with yourself for taking out 150 grand for a photography school. Seriously. Shut up. Shut hey, your how, mouth. How much was your education for your video editing skills? <sighs> YouTube. I don't know. That's, um, I, I mean, there's made, time value. But. I think you actually made money while doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually able to work doing other things while learning to run all of these, all of this video editing software that's going on. And which is, you know, there was another story I didn't put in here, but uh, the college enrollment was down something like half a million people uh, for this year. And they're saying it's not just pandemic related, that it's cultural shift. And that's going to, that's going to keep happening. That's going to keep happening for sure. Mm. Okay, let's move on to something else because there was a there's one right after this that I really wanted to get into. So All this right. one could have gone in dumb bleep, but we're a few, we're a couple days late on it, so we got to throw it out here. This from CBS News: Quebec to impose health contribution tax on those who refuse COVID vaccines for non medical reasons. Yeah. If you refuse it for any other reason, leaders of Quebec, Canada are planning to impose a tax on adults in the province who refuse to get vaccinated against COVID-19 for non-medical reasons. Right now, these people, they put a very important burden on our healthcare network, and I think it's normal the majority of the population is asking that there be a consequence. Now, who would have ever thought that if a government is paying for your healthcare, that they would have any control over your healthcare? It's that's just a wild idea. It's a conspiracy theory it's that the that Glenn Beck has thrown out there. Honestly, they, mm. that would never actually happen with his warm, inviting voice. Yeah, tricking everyone mm -hmm. into thinking that these that the universal health care they could impose their will on your health care. That's just crazy madness. But hey, look, the majority of the population is asking that there be a consequence for the people that are putting a burden Hey, what the majority wants, the majority gets. on the healthcare network. Roughly 92% of people in Quebec ages 12 and older has received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine, according to the province's health data. This is why we're looking for a healthcare contribution for adults who refuse to be vaccinated for non-medical reasons. Those who refuse to receive their first dose in the coming weeks will have to pay a new health contribution. The tax is just the latest, and it's a tax, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. It's just the latest measure put in place to try and curb the spread of the virus in Quebec. To curb it. Mm. That's, you know what we found coronavirus really hates? Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what really gets it. The taxes are the best vaccine for prosperity. Mm. Well, and people who are vaccinated, don't, they obviously don't carry the disease around with them. Yeah. Yeah. The province has also mandated remote work for any position that will allow it. 
canceled sports and extracurricular, extracurricular activities in schools, closed secondary schools, limited store and restaurant capacities, and limited private gatherings, among other things. There's also a curfew in place from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, that's when the virus is most active, mm-hmm. by the way, is at yeah. night. The viruses come out in the dark. They run around town shooting people. Quebec is also also has a vaccine passport system that allows those age 13 and up who are adequately protected against COVID to access certain places for non-essential activities because vaccine vaccinated people aren't spreading the virus. Yeah, they don't. They can do whatever they want. So they get a vaccine passport. Yeah. Right now, it's also a question of fairness for the 90 percent of the population who made some sacrifices. He said, I think we owe them this kind of measure. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyone who thought that if the government took over payment for something that they weren't going to try and control your individual health decisions, which I think I've heard before, um, they, they will do this. It would make sense for them to do this. Well, I mean, the health insurance, they, they will raise your health insurance for the life insurance. They'll raise your life insurance for, for different risky practices, things like that. But when it's uh, forced on top of you, it's a little bit different. And then there's also the hypocritical thing of the fact that, um, you know, people, what you're saying here is that if people choose to take on a risk, which is that if they get COVID, there's a higher likelihood that they would end up hospitalized, although that's still a very low likelihood, that there is a higher likelihood that they would end up hospitalized. Since they chose to take on that risk, well, then they should be taxed on something. But I, I just wonder if they also... It, add that risk on to everyone else who chooses to take any other kind of health risk that there is out there because there are other ways that people die. It's not just COVID. There's a bunch of other things that people do that get them out there. I don't know. Are you a bad driver? Let's uh, tax you more, actually. That's what we should do. Mm-hmm. Bad driver tax out there. I don't know. Uh, the other thing they added in here was that, um, for, let's see, unvaccinated, unvaccinated adults represent 10% of the population. Half of the COVID hospitalizations, uh, so half of the COVID hospitalizations are unvaccinated people in the uh, in intensive care, half of them. And so the other half are vaccinated people. By the way, that's, you know, if you would know that, that matter where the half of them are unvaccinated, yeah. the other half of them are, are vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I wonder is how much are you actually going to decrease the hospitalizations once you get this remaining 10% of the population to be vaccinated when already half the people in the ICU are vaccinated people, you're going to take some off the top for sure, but you're not talking about a massive decrease in the amount of hospitalizations. I don't know. Well, don't worry. In the U.S., they're trying other things right now that are definitely going to work. There's not any way that they're not going to work because the government wants to do them. And so we know that that's for sure going to work. Biden uh, tweeted out about the idea that we are going to be sending... In 95 masks to every single person in the country. Now, they haven't decided to actually do this, but Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and a couple other people got this bill out there where they're going to spend $5 billion sending every person in the U.S. three masks. I bet the folks at 3M was like, this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to their lobbying department. They're going to get bonuses this year. I'll put this on here. Next week, my administration will announce how we are making high-quality masks available to the American people for free. They're an important tool to stop the spread of COVID-19, especially Omicron. And then also we got this bill from Bernie Sanders saying that they're going to um, send, they want to send three N95 masks to every single person in the country. It's free. It's Five free. billion dollars. Same thing. Okay, so I have an annoying thing to do today, which is read a study. We're going to talk some study real quick. Because, listen... Are N95 masks better than cloth masks? Yes. Yes, they are. They are better than cloth masks. But my argument will be that they are not this home run savior thing that everyone is making them out to be, especially when you're sending three of them. And of course, all the guidelines say that you have to at least switch them out every day. And there's all these other crazy guidelines about touching them and storing them properly. And they just need to wash them. They need to be fitted. I'm sure the U.S. government is going to send out fitted N95 masks to every single person in the country. That's what's going to happen. So anyway, attached to Bernie Sanders' announcement about this was an article containing a study, a couple studies. And in that study, when they used their data, they talked about the study they pulled that data from. And so, of course, I went into 
both of those things. So you found the study of the study of the study. It was trying to play another study. Yeah. So what can mass do? Part one, the science behind COVID-19 prediction. This comes from the University of Minnesota. This was actually the first one that came up when I searched this question today. It's a, a very recent study. So they talk about the problem at the very beginning. They say, first, there was confusion about the modes of transmission with the CDC and the WHO insisting for many months that the virus was transmitted only by large droplets. Only fairly recently did those agencies finally recognize that inhalation of small infectious particles in the air, or aerosols, is, more, is a more important mode of transmission. Now, this is something that is supporting the use of N95 masks, by the way. Some anti-masker out there talking about how masks don't work. There remains no standard method for testing outward leakage or source control for any mask or respirator. Despite numerous studies throughout the pandemic, very few have used appropriate testing methods. In May 2020, the CDC messaging implied that everyone would be protected if everyone wore a face covering. This message was predicated on the misunderstanding that SARS-CoV-2 was transmitted only by large droplets emitted during coughing or sneezing. Which is how the flu is transmitted, by the way. In the, July flu, the flu is not aerosolized. In, um, in July 2020, based on just two very limited studies in a hospital and a hair salon, CDC Director Robert Redfield touted cloth face coverings are one of the most powerful weapons we have to slow and stop the spread of the virus, particularly when used universally within a community setting. So get your bandanas. It was not until November 2020, however, the CDC finally published a scientific brief on face coverings, which again expanded the message to indicate that they could also protect the wearer from droplets, where final, while finally recognizing that face coverings vary widely in filtration effectiveness. The brief fails to recognize or discuss the very limited efficacy of face coverings for preventing the emission or inhalation of small infectious particles and offers no guidance for the assessment of filter efficiency, breathing resistance, or fit. And so in this, they, they put this, uh, this chart. Let me put this little graphic up here on the screen for everyone real quick. Let's see. We'll pull this up, put this on the screen. This was also included in Bernie Sanders' statement today about how we need to send three masks to everyone. And so in this, they are showing if you're doing nothing, it would take about 15 minutes for you to get infected. If both people are wearing a typical cloth mask, it's about 26 minutes. Uh, one hour for a typical surgical mask. A non-fit tested N95 is 6.25 hours if both people are wearing it. And a fit tested N95 is 25 hours. You could be around the person uh, without that being an issue. And so I looked at that and I was like, man, all right, there's pretty, pretty golden good mask. Let me tell you what, that's a good looking mask. And so I was like, well, how did they arrive at that data? Because when you see, the, you see those numbers, you're like, well, how did they get to that data? How did they test how this happened? How much they covered? In the lab, through testing. In the lab is the correct answer on a dummy that was wearing a face mask. I don't mean like Joe Biden or anyone like that. I mean an actual <laughs> fake head that was wearing a face mask and a... A system that was pushing air out through it and a vacuum that was pulling the particles out into it. And it was just constantly blowing air and it was seeing how long it would take before enough of the particles would get through for an infection to occur on the other end. Now, what they didn't do in this procedure right here was constantly move this mask around and pull it up and down and take it off and on and pull it off of their nose and move it around and cough and take it off so they could wipe their face or talk to people or anything like that. It, this head miraculously wore that mask for 25 hours when they were testing this thing, you know, without ever moving it. Okay. Didn't even go to the bathroom. Didn't have to use the bathroom. Nothing like that. Didn't do anything else except for sit there and wear that mask. That is all they did. Okay, so this led me to look at, well, okay, well, what are the practices for wearing an N95 mask? So I looked in the healthcare settings, what they recommend for people in the healthcare setting for N95 mask. And so the whole question here, the, here's the reason why we're going through this. We talked about the problem at the beginning of this whole push to wear face masks was that there could be some unintended consequences, some negative unintended consequences of making people feel safer than what they actually were. If you were worried about people spreading this virus around and telling them that they were going to be protected or that other people are going to be protected by wearing these masks, that there could actually be an unintended consequence of acting more hazardous whenever you're out around people 
and believing that you have more protection from it than you actually do. And if that were the case, that you could actually end up in a more dangerous setting when everyone thinks they're more protected than what they actually are, similar to the fact that the vaccines are going to negative efficacy after 90 days right now because it's dropping down and people think, well, I'm vaccinated, we can do whatever we want and not have to worry about spreading the disease around. So anyway, that's why this is actually important because if you're going to say, well, we're going to wear in 95s and that's going to fix everything, we're actually going to mandate everyone wear them and we're going to like arrest people or not allow people to go into places if they're not wearing one, then there starts to be a problem. Here's some common safety practices. Mask should only be worn and reused by a single wearer. Mask should not be removed, adjusted, or touched during the patient, patient or resident care activities. Okay, so there's a fail right there on that one. Every single person's going to fail that one. Uh, care should be taken to prevent touching the front of the mask. Every single person's going to fail that one. All right. Care should be taken during removal of the mask to ensure it is not contaminated, keeping the inside of the mask protected. Everyone's going to fail that one. Hand hygiene should be performed after removal of the face shield or goggles and before removing the mask. Everyone's going to fail that one. I'm marking off all these. Perform hand hygiene after putting the mask on and following removal placement in a storage location. Everyone's going to fail that. So I'll mark that. Mask should be inspected before each use to ensure its physical integrity is intact. I mean, make sure the little straps are on there. But other yeah, than that, I guess. When you pick it up off the floorboard of your car. Yeah. It's just guys, fine. For N95 masks... Oh, I accidentally stepped on this. That's still good. <laughs> ah, it's fine. For N95 masks, a seal check should be performed after each time it is put on. Mm-hmm. Fail. Just like you do when you're scuba diving with your mask. <laughs> just like Blow that. out the bubbles. Yeah. Staff should be fit tested before using an N95 mask. Fail. Make sure to do a seal check before having contact with residents or patients. Like a Navy seal check? Yeah, or like an actual seal, you know. Uh, uh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> N95 mask can be used for the entire shift by one person. Okay, we will use one for an entire day of your life. Okay, we'll pass that one. Which, by the way, violates... Uh, perco- uh, it violates... 2019's mask precautions. <laughs> it violates <Yeah>. the standard <laughs> um, no contact precautions. Um, let's see. You place the mask on a clean paper towel or in a breathable container when removed for breaks or eating. Fail. Everyone's going to fail that. Continue to practice social distancing. Why would I do that when I have a freaking N95 mask on? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to fail that. Hand hygiene should be done after uh, taking it on and putting it back, uh, taking it off and putting it back on. Discard the N95 mask at the end of your shift. Now that's an interesting one. The big plan right now from Bernie is to send everyone three masks, mm. three in the three and ninety-five masks, and this is how we're going to save lives from the Tootsie Pop commercial. How, yeah. many, how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? Three. three. How many in ninety-five masks does it take to make myself look virtuous and great? Three. Three, at least. Three. The respirator should be discarded after each aerosol generating procedure. So anytime you're around any kind of aerosol generating procedure. Now that would include a lot of things like ventilators, stuff like that in a healthcare setting that aerosolizes everything that's in the room. So so that's a maybe right there. The mask must be discarded if it becomes soiled or grossly contaminated with the patient's uh, respiratory. So if anyone coughs coughs right around you while you got the mask on, well, that mask is actually dead now. You need to get a new one. And uh, 95 masks and all PPE need to be changed between positive suspect and negative cases. That so doesn't happen at Anytime all. you go around anyone that could be suspected, then you need to change the mask out. That doesn't happen in any healthcare setting, by the way. Okay. So um, why are we acting like this whole sin that everyone's going to wear a 95 mask thing is going to help? That's, gonna, a, that's what I want to know. It's going to work, man. So what I, what I worry about with this, which listen, everyone's going to get Omicron. Science itself told us that everyone is going to get Omicron. Doctor science. Mm-hmm. Doctor science. The doctorate is implied in science, you know, when it's that you're talking to science. When you're talking about I am. Science has a doctor. It's got more than the, whatever the level above. Got a four billion years worth of doctorates. Yeah, you can you even know? say Yeshua. <laughs> That's all. Um, so... The thing that I worry about, if you're worried about stopping infection, 
is the negative consequences of thinking that you have more protection than you actually do because you're not actually following any of the proper procedures with the mask that already makes the mask. Why would you worry about such a thing, Nate? I mean, this is the government protecting I'm sure, you. I'm sure they're covering everything. You're mm. right. Yeah. The Nothing to worry about. You, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have brought this up if they didn't already think of everything. Mm. You know, there's no way. They got people war- working around the clock, mm-hmm. just figuring out how to protect you. It's in different rooms. They're protecting you from coronavirus, domestic terrorism, and school board meetings. Well, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. And for for the, the mass hypnosis, psychosis. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep making sure you know that that's not a real thing. So it's all for your protection, folks. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Anyway, uh, we got to go. So that's, uh, that's all we got. Yeah. How does, how does that make you feel? folks. That's what I want to know. All I'm saying is if you are worried about spreading it, don't, don't give yourself a false sense of security because that can actually lead to more dangerous things happening. Like, oh, I put this mask on that's been in the floorboard of my car. I throw back and forth for the last uh, several weeks now. I can be around my 95-year-old grandma and coughing and stuff like that. But I'm wearing an N95. As long as it's less than 25 hours... I can be around her no problem. But you can't hang out with a 96-year-old because these are no. M95s. <laughs> up to 95. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what that means. Now it all makes sense. It all, yeah, okay. it all makes sense. All right, good. <laughs> so, all right, y'all, if y'all enjoyed today's episode, as I'm sure you did, then please hit that subscribe button, share the show with a friend, a family member, a foe, and the children. Spread it like this virus going around. Spread it like the COVIDs. Um, and then we'll have more listeners and they'll be, uh, they'll be addicted. To I think show. Charlie's offering special discounts for people who like Charlie. So, uh, not if you want to go to locals, then yeah. Good morning, liberty.locals.com, uh, to love me more. And <laughs> I would appreciate that. Uh, you know, I need a little bit of my ego stroked because it's been in the tubes yeah. for months now. And I thought this new year would change things and, it's actually gotten worse. It hasn't. It's gotten worse. And so... Just Nate's, like 2021 compared to 2020. Nate's fine because he has literally no haters. You don't even have one. Me yeah. and Joe Bizzle spar back and forth every once in a while. But. So I think people are just upset that I, you know, was... I was... I committed to debating Amanda. <laughs> and because I did that, yeah. uh, now the group hates me. So anyway, go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com. Sign up. And be part of the live group. It's a lot of fun. You're missing out. There's, I don't know, three to 400 messages per episode. It's awesome. And we talk offline too. So all kinds of conversations. It's the best way to reach us. So go do that. Uh, subscribe on Rumble and all the other platforms. Gitter mm-hmm. and uh, everything else. Hopefully, I think within the next five years, we'll probably be off traditional social media. We'll be on the... yeah. On the, uh, I sent Rumble an email today, by the way, to try and fix our account situation because it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I would say subscribe on YouTube, but we got we were striked from that. So. Yeah. Anyway, if you guys do all of those things, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Mm-hmm.